Welcome to a football show, Monday edition here, of course, on the 440 Sports Network. His name is Zach Lyons. My name is Braden Gall, and we've got a fun show planned for you guys. As usual, Zach, how are you, sir? How was the weekend? Welcome, welcome. It's a pretty good weekend. Uh, grilled some meat, and then there we go. <laughs> that's that's all you need. Uh, I did so much parenting over the weekend. I sat down on Sunday. My wife looks at me and goes, isn't there some golf you should be watching? Like, you've earned it. And I was like, no, that's two weekends from now on Father's Day when I get to watch the Open by myself. Don't bother me, uh, <laughs> mom and children. What do you want for Father's Day? Not to, to not talk to anyone. That's what I want for Father's Day. Um, anyway, welcome to the show. Brought to you, of course, by Sinker's Beverages, the Kingston Group, buildkg.com. We are going to announce one of our winners for our fantastic Sinker's Bourbon Trail trip. I don't know if it's a bourbon trail per se. It's sort of like a personal bourbon trail, uh, as it were, by Sinker's. We'll announce that winner coming up in just a second. Well, Today's trip to the bourbon trail. Sort of, yeah, yeah, basically, and we're gonna make our own. We're gonna gla- we're gonna we're gonna blaze our own trail uh, of sorts uh, on the way up there. Uh, all puns intended, of course. Uh, today's show is largely going to be about sort of the wider situation around the Titans in the AFC, the state of the AFC. Who are the tiers of teams uh, now that the offseason, most offseason personnel moves have taken place? We've got some conversation about the state of the AFC South. Let's set the benchmark on what the AFC South looks like in 2023 here in June so that we can do it again in September and then re you know, reevaluate all that stuff in January next year. So uh, a lot of stuff about the AFC, uh, the AFC South got some Titans news and notes. And one uh, question I have for you about stacking the inbox here coming up in just a second. So get into the comments, rate review and subscribe again, a football show brought to you by a Kings by the Kingston group and sinkers beverages, buildkg.com Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. In fact, there is some remodeling happening at my house currently by one of my guys uh from the kingston group and uh they're doing great work right now you can't even hear them that's how good of the work they're, they're doing right now on the show so um make sure you remember their name and sinkers beverages so sinkers beverages decided bluegrass by the way as well in in uh, hendersonville which is uh, the title sponsor of football and other efforts of which you can hear zach and mike herndon and sinkers beverages came to us zach and i said listen we're gonna have this great prize we're gonna give a chance to go up and help us select like the barrel pick from Russell's Reserve, which is one of the best, one of the best, I don't know, value plays in all of bourbon right now. Uh, the Russell Reserve, great stuff. So we're going to go up and pick a barrel. And they said, what, why don't we save some spots for two of your listeners to come up and join us? So what were the, what were the ram? Tell everybody what they need to do to enter, because we're going to announce another winner on Thursday show, Zach. They need to rate, review, and subscribe. So they need to rate and review a football show or football and other efforts. We'll take some. Uh, we'll take some uh, five stars thrown our way for football and other efforts. Um, has to be five stars, and then you have to write a review. Make sure to use your name so we can identify you, because you then need to subscribe to the in crowd at either the Sinkers Beverages website or the Bluegrass beverages website which you can put in google and put sinkers beverages or bluegrass bluegrass beverages and find that website and you can go join in crowd there because that's how we're going to match it and then we're going to draw like we just drew for this uh draw name out of the hat essentially usually in google sheets but yeah yeah yeah. yeah. it's 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 mildly scientific um and so thursday we will announce a winner and we're going to announce a winner right now and this gentleman has been a loyal listener to the show for a long time. I read his review over the weekend. Very complimentary. Always good to 
Always good to to heap praise upon the host when we are deciding who may or may not be going on this trip. Um, and of course, congratulations on becoming a new father uh, just a couple of weeks ago. So uh, here is the first gentleman that will be going with us on the trip. Tim Dodge, loyal listener, avid listener, wrote a good review, part of the in crowd. Again, those are the two things you got to do. Uh, I checked the reviews. We, we put the names in there. My man, Tim Dodge, is going to Kentucky on a free trip on June 13th. All expense paid. No driver needed. We're, they're, they're taking us up there, and, and Tim Dodge is going to celebrate. So congrats to Tim Dodge, and then we'll announce another one on Thursday. So there you go. Yeah, I mean, like, if, you're, if your guys are like Dusty Bennett, A. Collins, 876, or Shaw's Pub, who have all also written reviews, that's just a few of the other people that have written reviews, you're still entered into the contest on Friday. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So, so, so don't keep... don't get discouraged. <laughs> yes. Uh continue writing review rating, reviewing, and subscribing as often as possible. We do we do appreciate you guys. And of course, when you do shop at the Defending Champions, the best liquor store in Nashville in 2022, Sinker's Beverages in East Nashville. And if you're in the north side of town, Hendersonville, of course, uh, you've got bluegrass beverages up there as well. They will take care of you, we promise. Look at the cool stuff they're giving away to everybody. Okay. Um, all right, quickly, I want a couple of quick notes because I guess mini camp starts technically on Monday. Media will be available to watch practice on Tuesday, Thursday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Um, be out there as much as possible. And then, uh, so I've got one question for you as it pertains okay. to staff inbox here first. But really, the only piece of news we've got, like it's kind of a quiet mini camp week, um, unless there's some buyer news that breaks in the middle of the week or something with an extension of some sort. Uh, the biggest piece of news or really is or cut or trade. Or hold out. <laughs> who, knows? We, we, who knows what's going to happen with this Kevin Byard situation? I would assume Titans fans are hoping for an extension and all people happy in the process. Yeah. Uh, TR Tart has signed his tender. Now, he had signed a waiver, which to me indicated that he was clearly wanting to, to participate and practice and get used to the new coaching staff and blah, 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 blah. Well, he signed the official tender, which is worth what? 4.3? Yeah, 4.3. And now he's in line to have a, if he has a great year, he's in line for a pretty decent contract at the end of yeah. next season. Yeah. I mean, as much as a run stuffing two down, you know, no, he's got, if he wants to get paid, paid, he has to add a lot to his game, which uh, the c coach, um, the defensive line coach and assistant head coach, whose name escapes me right now. Uh, he talked about that, you know, now it's time to develop the next part of Tier Tart's game. So, I mean, Again, I'm three and zero versus Mike now that this has been settled, because <laughs> um, he thought, well, Tier Tart, you know, he could possibly get like a an eight million per I, year. Yeah, I think deal. eight. Like, I think like, he said well, eight. I let's think he slow said it down there. I mean, like, <laughs> let, let's slow it down. Um, you know, we'll see next year if he gets command something like that. I find it highly unlikely that he commands something like that. Um, because again, you got to be able to play all three downs if you want to see the big money and you got to contribute on all three downs. If you want to see the money, great run stuffing nose tackle, the Titans do wonders finding these guys as undrafted free agents. And they'll keep on doing wonders. If he decides that there's just, he's going to demand too much, which I don't know. I kind of feel like Tierra Tart needs to uh, not bite the hand that feeds him. Well, I, I agree with almost everything you said there. I think there's there's like levels of getting paid. There's like paid, then there's like paid, paid, and then there's like paid. And I don't think he's on the paid, paid scale yet. I think he's just on the 
the regular one yeah. paid scale. He'll get a multi-year deal. Right. And and maybe it's worth six, seven million a year, eight million a year. Who knows what the number is? I, I just my my question about expectations, and you wrote about Ryan Tannehill's expectations, which I'm gonna ask you about in a second. Stacking the inbox.com, of course, for all of Zach's written work and his absurd Ryan Tannehill takes. But TR Tart. <laughs> yeah, data, man. That data is such so absurd. I, I'm I'm curious. I think he is far more valuable to the team than maybe even like the four million dollar because it's I know that's 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 the situation that he's in, and that's what why they have this the the strength. I just think he is farm I think he's a pretty important piece. And should he develop one more step, right? Like one more level on the progression of, of development, I think there's a chance that that's like they're already impossible to run against. But what helps the pass defense enough is that if he can develop one extra layer and it I think he's I don't think he's one of the top five most important defensive players but I think he's one of a handful of really important guys on this team yeah I mean he's really important to the run defense and all that kind of stuff and it's not to discount what Tier Tart has done or who he's become you got to remember he was on like a what like seven hundred eight hundred thousand dollar contract I mean it wasn't anything totally inexpensive so like for him four million dollars is big money Wanting more than that, I think, is a little presumptuous, considering that we've only we've had one steady year, one really good year out of three years for Tier Tart. Right. Like that's not a lot of history to be going around and spending all kinds of money on Tier Tart. And the Titans obviously obviously value him more than the rest of the league because they thought we'll slap a second year tender on this motherfucker and ain't nobody going to, and some we'll get a second round pick or we're good with paying $4.3 million. Do right. they do the same thing with Aaron Brewer? I mean, the, the league will silently tells tells you what he, they think of certain Titans players. Yeah. Yeah. There's no question about it. I think both players valued eternally clearly more than the outside. I do think Tart, if he develops has a chance to be a more valuable commodity on the open market, but really, it's it's almost exclusively about what he does alongside of Jeffrey Simmons, what he mm-hmm. does for Harold Landry, what he does for I'm gonna I'll say Aziz Al Shair, like that that is those are the players that benefit on first and second down from him being in there clogging up the lanes. One one extraordinary highlight reel interception does not a contract make. So uh, <laughs> let's just remember that. Uh, so quickly on the expectations thing, I, I, I want everyone to rec- go read Stacking the Inbox, subscribe Stacking the Inbox. Great articles from both you. And a bunch of contributors. You guys are doing great work over there. Um, expectation setting. You set it for Ryan Tannehill. 4,200 total yards, 33 total touchdowns, eight interceptions. Mm-hmm. I just want everyone to hear those numbers. Now, if okay. you want to read about it, I suggest you subscribe to Stack in the Inbox. Yes. So you got to factor in that rushing yards in those passing yards, rushing touchdowns in those total touchdowns. Yep, that's what I said. I said that's why I said total yards, total touchdowns. Yeah, but you got to emphasize it for <laughs> what that actually means for for people. I think it's. I think people would be shocked if you have if you ask the average football fan who's not a Titans fan, how many? Not even take out. It's it's kind of weird. Take out twenty twenty two. If you told people that Ryan Tannehill rushed for fourteen touchdowns in twenty and twenty one, I think the average human being outside of Nashville, Tennessee, right. would look at you like you're drunk. Now, yeah, there, only... there's a few people that have posted like Ryan Tannehill since 2019 has more rushing touchdowns than Lamar Jackson. Like there, <laughs> there is that meme okay, and that's actual right. factual, but like that's, um, I'm going to butcher his name. Uh, 
Ian Horowitz from PFF or something. But like it's it's only a few people that are in on that like weird stat outside of Nashville. Yeah. And and again, 95 yards rushing and two touchdowns last year. So is that a function of the injury? Yes. Is that a function yeah. of the offensive line? Yes. yes. Is that a function, excuse me, of Todd Downing, which makes people vomit right in the middle of their sentences? Yes. Yeah. Um, all, all that's true. I also think it's, I mean, he's also of a certain age where going back to his career best, I feel like is going to be very difficult. So I, I, I want everyone to read the article, so I don't want to give anything away. So go read the article. I, you took the over on a few of those numbers. I would take the under on almost every single one of them. So it doesn't that's mean because, he's not good. That's because so. you're unrealistic about the expectations of Ryan Tannehill, and you, and and you're not factoring in the 17th game. Like I, when you go back and look at the numbers of what Ryan Tannehill has done from 2020 all the way back to the Miami era back in 2012, a lot of these numbers don't factor in an extra game. So like well, in 2021. You know, you're talking about he had 3,700 yards passing. Well, I only added 3,900 to it. I mean, I only added like 200 to that, which is one extra game. Yeah, in 2021, he played all 17, but that team was like complete dog shit and no chemistry, nothing going for it, and Todd Downing. So it's like it's, I'm not like releasing numbers that are out of this world impossible because it's still less than his 2020 and 20 is 2020 season. It's What's, also less. What I think makes Ryan Tannehill this very divisive creature in like people's minds nationally, locally is nationally. There's a perception that he's just atrocious, which is obviously not true. Um, locally there's, it's far more divided with fans that are positive and more negative. And some people are just regularly negative and some people are regularly more positive about their team in general, but he's also incredibly difficult to pinpoint for a variety of reasons. A, all the newness and the off, you know, all the newness on the offense with the receiving core and the offensive line and the coordinator and everything. But even during his entire career, he has missed time both at Miami with injuries and here. 26 total touchdowns, 40 total touchdowns, 28 total touchdowns, and 15 total touchdowns. That is an incredibly wide range. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's I mean, very but hard. that last, but you know, last year is just, you know, that's just a, a wash because he was incredibly efficient. They had an issue, but getting to the end zone and getting to the red zone area, which they're right. historically very good at. So, like, Tim Kelly is going to fix a lot of the issues because Todd Downing was a lot of the issues. I, I don't disagree. The offensive line injuries, we can go on. The context, yeah. I think everybody knows the context. I would say if you're going to throw out a year in which injuries reduce production, which is part of the game, and had a, questions around his supporting cast. You kind of also have to throw out the 40 touchdowns because it was a career outlier for him, regardless of coordinator, team, yeah, location. Yeah, which is what I said in the article. You know, I say that, you know, he's no, never going to sniff anywhere near 33 passing touchdowns or sniff 30 passing touchdowns. I mean, it's just not realistic. So I don't want to give any more away because it's a good article. Lots of interesting data in there that I think the national media needs. Uh, even though I might go under a lot of those numbers, I still think I still think they're the national media and the national conversation needs a little bit more awareness. So if you need some data, some ammunition to back up your Ryan Tannehill support, let's call it. Make sure you check out Stack Ryan Tannehill regular season support. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's be very to clear. Be, to be Ryan clear. Tannehill regular season report. All right. Uh, before we get into the AFC, Sinkers Beverages, Kingston Group, our two great local sponsors, of course. Uh, we've announced it. Tim Dodge, congratulations. Uh, we're going to announce one more winner who's going to ride with us on a party bus up to Wild, Wild Turkey Bourbon, pick out a Russell's Reserve Barrel pick for Sinkers Beverages, and bring it back with us. 
I don't know how many they're going to let us bring, Zach. I don't know how many. I'm, I'm hoping to get a few um, so I can have a couple at the house, uh, but we shall see. So congrats to Tim. And uh, this is what Sinker's Beverages does more than anything else. They just are next. They're just the next level of liquor store. Great, great selection. Sign up for the in crowd. Give us a review. You'll enter the drawing. We'll announce it on Thursday. Uh, and then June 13th, we're all we're all heading up there, big guy. <laughs> Let's do it. Rain or shine, we're going to roll up there. Uh, and then, of course, Kingston Group, buildkg.com, uh, Nashville's custom home and remodeling firm. Award-winning, I might add. Again, always locally owned here uh, by people in the market, who've been in the market, who lived in the market. In fact, the guy who owns it is a former Vanderbilt quarterback. So how about that? Uh, big time into the football world. And uh, very big in local sponsor, local charity work. So just like two great companies, Sinkers and Kingston Group. It's why they're our sponsors, and it's why you should use them. Uh, uh, that is for sure. Okay. Uh, AFC. Big picture. Uh, I, I wanted to start with, because I was looking at the odds for Super Bowl championship and winning the winning the conference, not Super Bowl, excuse me. And I don't, I don't, you know, it is what it is. It's not designed to be end-all, be-all. It's designed to get half your money to go over and half your money to go under. It, You know, that that's what it is. Um, in your mind, Zach, who are, who is on the top tier? Is it a one-team tier? Is it two or three teams? Is it five teams? Who are the teams that are the the best in the AFC in your mind in June heading into the summer? Well, I first want to want to pose a question to you. Why hasn't the AFC just seeded from the NFC at this point? <laughs> because the NFC is just totally a worthless set of teams. I, I've it's the disparity and the talent between the two teams, not just from a quarterback perspective, but from like a team building roster perspective. The disparity from the AFC to the NFC is just so glaringly massive. Like, I, I don't understand how it got, why all the quarterbacks want to come to the AFC and nobody wants to stick around in the NFC because this would be so easy to win the NFC, I feel like. I think the, uh, like, I, I agree with you. Like, why would you not, if you're one of these guys, try to get to the NFC at the end? Like, I mean, again, Rogers making the move to the AFC. I think what's interesting is it's all very cyclical. Like there, there's chunks of time where the NFC dominates and then there's chunks of time where the AFC dominates. A lot of it's tied to coaching and quarterback play. And we've just had some movement in the last few years where, you know, some of the guy like Brady goes to the NFC and then retires, you, you know, like uh, Rogers and Wilson come to the AFC. They, the AFC has some really bad teams and they draft really good quarterbacks. <laughs> so, and then all of a sudden it changes. And, I think it makes for a more interesting conference this year. Honestly, like the fact that Rodgers is here, we'll get to Jacksonville, but I think Jacksonville is more interesting because Lawrence is there. I, I just think the whole, like, don't, here's the other thing. Don't look at Super Bowl odds for NFC teams and pair them with the AFC teams, right? Because then they, they're factoring in ease of path. Right. Like for the, for the Eagles, that their path to the Super Bowl is easier than any, like some of these teams in the AFC. So don't even look at the Vegas odds to, to decide where, your team should be ranked within the conference, but I don't know. Kansas city, Buffalo and Cincinnati to me, if, I mean, if I gave you those three and you told me the field, I'd probably take those three. Yeah. I mean, I mean, those three got those three teams are, I think clearly head and shoulders above the rest. But I also think that the jets and the dolphins are like two teams that are just underneath them for 2023. And what I mean by that is that we talked all off season, and really since we started talking about the chances of Ryan Tannehill getting traded and possibly the Jets being a destination, 
how much Ryan Tannehill could help that team, how much a competent quarterback could help that Jets team ascend. Now, they're getting an Aaron Rodgers who has already kind of tweaked his calf or his hamstring, uh, whatever it is, <laughs> who is on the downside of his career, but he could be, he, he seems to be highly motivated, which is a dangerous Aaron Rodgers for the AFC mm-hmm. to have. And they're keeping Corey Davis. So all those people who thought Corey Davis was getting traded or cut, that ain't happened because they are loaded up on weapons. The Jets are a dangerous team. They're like a wild animal backed into a corner right now because they know that if they don't win the Super Bowl this year and it ends in some kind of disaster, Aaron Rodgers probably isn't coming back. And then now they've just wasted a whole year chasing the great white well. Um, And I think Miami, if Tua, who is like thick as hell right now, um, (laughs) if he stays healthy, they're a dangerous team. And they got Vic Fangio over there for their defensive coordinator, which is a sneaky good move. Because And then they've improved their defense some. Miami is a sneaky good team that not a lot of teams are going to be able to keep up with their style of play in the heat and humidity down in Miami. Now, on the flip side of that, they go and travel somewhere in the cold. They're at a dangerous disadvantage. But for right now, those two teams are probably your next tier down. So I agree with you. I think I think Kansas City is kind of like it's in its own tier just because they're reigning champions, multi-time Super Bowl champions. Patrick Mahomes proved he could do it without anybody's help. They're, they've made improvements in little smaller areas, largely the same. But they did lose Eric Bieniemy and... That may not really matter, but who knows? They got a better run game now. So I kind of put them in their own tier, but like Buffalo and Cincinnati are like right underneath them. And then it's Miami and the New York Jets for me. And I don't like playing the schedule game here, but hypothetically, I I would put the Jets maybe on that top tier. Just I I think if you want to say Kansas City, Buffalo, Cincinnati, and the Jets as the best four teams in the AFC, I don't think anyone's really going to argue with me too hard on that. You like Miami maybe a little bit more or whatever. Somebody might like Baltimore more, you know, whatever. But if you say it's those four, the Titans will play one of those four teams and they'll play Cincinnati at home. And it's on October 1st. They'll also play Miami. Early in the year. Well, I'm not counting Miami as a top four team. I I have the Jets as the top. I would put the Jets on the top tier. So in my mind, I have the Chiefs, Bills, Bengals, and Jets as the four best teams. The Titans only have to play one of them. And that one comes at home early in the season, as we've talked about in our schedule conversation. Now, the question is, is how difficult do you think the rest of the schedule is relative to that next tier of teams? Because they will play Miami, Baltimore, Jacksonville twice, the Chargers, the Steelers, the the Browns. Like They play everybody, basically everybody else, but it's all bottom two-thirds teams of the conference. So I guess my question is, is where is... Who's on the next tier in your mind? You mentioned the Jets and the Dolphins. Are those the top two, or is there anybody else in the conference? Because I would have it as a four-team breakaway. That's the like the top four, and then the next four is what I would do. Yeah, I, I don't know if I could put the Jets there just quite yet. Uh, I mean, I think that there's a good chance that they're they could be in that next tier. But you know, you got a lot of new pieces, a lot of you know moving parts, a lot of things that have to go right for them. Um, so we'll see. You know, I, I think that they have the best chance of being in that next year and being one of the best four. I, I would say the Ravens are probably that next team that I really 
I struggle to put the Chargers in that tier just because Brandon Staley's such an idiot. Um, I mean, <laughs> horrible, horrible head coach that makes boneheaded decisions and loses games that maybe it is the Chargers curse, but he sure brings a lot of it on himself. So, like, to me, it's the Ravens are in that next tier with the Dolphins and Jets. And then I would do teams like – the problem is the rest of these AFC teams, they got so many big question marks. There's so many um, – mm-hmm things that have to go right that went right last year and now it has to go right again this year for it to make a difference like that like i just can't like to me it's a it's really those seven teams are the teams that if you told me they all made the playoffs because i think they they technically could i wouldn't be surprised if that's seven teams in the playoffs yeah and, and i guess we'll get to jacksonville in a second but uh, my next four would be miami baltimore the Chargers and the Jaguars. Those would be my next four. I just can't put the Chargers and Jaguars on the same level as the Ravens and the Dolphins because they haven't shown any propensity to do it consistently. And we don't know who Trevor Lawrence really is. And we don't know one way or the other what he is in in if he's gonna be good or if he's gonna be bad. All we got is this we know that he's at least in the 60 percent we just don't know which of the if he's going to be closer to the 20 percent that's bad or the 20 percent that's elite we don't know now you and i you and i disagree on that (laughs) you do not know i mean you don't my my, guess my educated hypothesis i would say that it's not as educated as you want it to be it's educated based (laughs) off uh like three or four years ago of college football play no Um, no yeah, the um, I I but you could put Justin Herbert in that like twenty percent category. He's unbelievable. The problem is, is that the Chargers' bad luck and the head coach luck, and like I just can't put them in that tier either. You know, but, the, the but they are clearly, but they but the Chargers are clearly better than like the Browns and the Broncos and the Steelers, yeah. But right? I mean, like yeah, but I would almost have to put the ja- the Chargers in this like floating island tier like you just don't know what they're gonna do and what they're gonna be it's almost La- like lazy they, river it's tier like they're, it's almost like their tier is on the is is separate from the rest of them because it's a moving scale like it, it's almost you have to go horizontal instead of going vertical like when you get to the charges you have to go horizontal because you don't know what they're gonna be they they haven't really lived up to ev- every offseason's hype since philip rivers left and even at the tail end of Philip Rivers' career, they're always hyped up. They always add all these defensive pieces and these big name free agents. It never works out for whatever reason. And then the head coach ends up being a nincompoop who can't do anything, get out of his own way. Then they have terrible bad luck, not only in games, but also in it with injuries. And on the flip side, you have the Jaguars who had the best injury luck last year. Which again, you're gonna have to depend on having the best injury luck because you built a team that's just not very yeah. good after like a few guys. Yeah, Kenneth says people hate spending money on run stuffing no tackles until you have one, like the Chargers run defense. Uh, so, bros, shirt game looking strong today. Thank you, uh, Stony. Uh, and then Elvin, Jags are so overrated. Needed the refs help to beat third string Titans. No, they Wild just needed I- Josh Dobbs to not do the play correctly that's what well what well, well, i actually agree it was, a, it was a bad call his hand was clearly going forward with possession of the football but 
that's neither that's neither here nor there. Uh, I do think the progress and the growth, and we'll get to the Jags in a second. I want to kind of focus more on the the, the larger picture of the AFC. Um, uh, here's my here's a here's one question: of all these teams in this quote unquote next or bottom or whatever tier you want to call it, I'm basically saying the bottom half of the AFC. So you know Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Denver, New England, Vegas, Tennessee, Indianapolis, Houston, whatever. Like those those eight teams uh, of the of the bottom half. Take the Titans out of it. Who is the team that makes the big jump that surprises people? Because it happens every year. Oh, it happens in the NFC. It happens in the AFC. We both agree on basically the top seven or eight teams in this conference, which means we're going to be wrong about one or two of them. So who is the team? Like, is Vegas all of a sudden way better than we think? Is it no. Cleveland with Watson? Is it Russell Wilson? Is it the Patriots? Like, what? who's the I, team? I I think it's going to be the Broncos and I think it's going to be Sean Payton. So, and I think that's the deciding factor. Uh, I don't necessarily believe in Russell Wilson, but I believe in Sean Payton enough that they're going to put Russell Wilson and all these offensive weapons in a, in a chance to succeed with a defense. It's pretty good still, even without Von Miller and, and other players that they may have lost. It's still a pretty good team. So I almost think that Denver Broncos are kind of a sleeping giant in the AFC West. Um, in fact, okay. t- today someone was talking about there's, uh, I don't, I think fantasygurus.com or something put out the ranking the head coaches based on fantasy points. Like that's where we're at as a society and media is that they ranked <laughs> the head coaches one through 32. That's how you win football games. Fan- based on their fantasy football points. And people are up in air because Mike Vrabel is like 28th or something. And someone, uh, there's a guy that was Eldon English. Because uh, he only on throws Twitter. the ball to Dontrell Hilliard in the yeah. red zone. There was a guy named Eldon English who's a Titans fan. And he was talking about, he doesn't understand why Sean Payton is ranked so high. And I'm thinking, Sean Payton is ranked so high because he's Sean Payton. He has proved it year over year that yep. his team yep. will score points. And this Denver team is going to score some freaking points. It kept Cortland Sutton. It kept Jerry Judy. It, it uh, you still got um, KJ Hamler's there. They hey. drafted Marvin Mims. Javante Williams is in the backfield. This team is going to score some points. And I think that if I had to pick one of these teams that was really bad last year to make an incredible leap this year, it's going to be the Broncos. And I kind of agree with Stoney. I think that the Titans are technically going to be the team that makes the leap as well. But you said excluding the Titans. Well, here's well, here's the thing about the Titans. They're over under total this year, according to whatever source you want to use, is, yeah. is seven and a half. And so if they win, if they win eight games, they will have hit the over and improved on last year. But that is not a jump. Like for me to call the Titans, for, for this sake of this conversation, what I'm talking about is the team that ends up being what the Titans were two years ago, which is going from a nine win team to the one seed in the AFC like that. That's kind of what I'm talking about. And I don't see the Titans being an 11 win team and winning the division in 2023. I'm with Mike Herndon on this. I don't see the talent level there yet from one to 53. I like a lot of things that are happening and I like a lot of projections that are happening. It's more about 24 for me than 23, but I, I will and I'm, we're getting hammered in the comments here about Trevor Lawrence. I can't wait to get into this, but uh, we're going to have, we're they're gonna... all in, they're all in my favor. So you may not, you that's may fair. want to avoid the chat. That's, that's fine. Look, look, I would agree with you, but then we both be wrong. So here's the deal. Like the jump thing I'm talking about is what you're talking about with Denver. 
which is where they go from like an, a non-factor last year to challenging the Chiefs for the division, maybe coming up just short with like an 11-win season and being a dangerous playoff team. Like that's the thing we're talking about here. We're not we're not saying like, oh, you go from seven wins to nine wins and you have an above 500 record and you barely miss the wild card. Like that's not a jump to me. Cleveland, for some godforsaken reason, maybe it's because of karma or something. Like we, I, for some reason, I feel like we're all just like rooting so hard against them because of the Watson thing that they're going to figure it out. And like, I, 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 some, I for some know. reason, for some reason, the, ta- the, the top level talent on that team, on both it's offensive really good team, is really talented. That is a really talented But I, I have, I, I know it's just OTAs, <laughs> but he still has, is not looking like the Deshaun Watson of old. And I, I don't, I can't explain it. I, I am going to have to see Deshaun Watson do it to believe in it. Like it's, I'm at that point. There are certain quarterbacks that have not, that have either yet to gain or have lost my ability to just blindly believe in them. Because even when Deshaun Watson was good, he was still, you know, leading a four and 12 Texas team. This Browns team is an entirely better team. And it's one of the best teams he's ever been on. But it's all up to him, and it seems like he's shrinking at the worst possible time, which I am a okay with. Um, <laughs> but you know, he's going to have to he's he has to prove it, and they're in a tough division. We're like, yeah. Can, yeah, yeah. Can the Browns split it? But then if they split all these teams, there that's three losses that they I, that they are suffering right then there. So can they? Can they get over the hump in that division, particularly? If the Browns were in a different division, I think I would believe it. Because, like, for me, the Broncos are going up against the Raiders and the Chargers, and I think the Broncos have the best head coach out of the three. Could win a they couple have, of those. Yeah. And, and they'll win a lot more yeah. of those games, and I th- believe in the Browns winning games against AFC North. It, it's funny. Like, I agree with you on kind of the top six. Like, Kansas City, Buffalo, Cincinnati at the top, and then whether or not you and I like – I like the Jets maybe a little bit more than you do, so the Jets are right in there, Miami and Baltimore. Then it's sort of Jacksonville and the Chargers in their own tier. And part of Jacksonville being there is because of their division, not necessarily because they're as good as these other teams. But but Pittsburgh, like, I don't trust Pittsburgh as much in that division. I trust Tomlin, but I don't see the overall talent level like the Browns have, but I don't trust the coaching staff as much as I trust the Pittsburgh Steelers coaching staff. I agree with your assessment of the Broncos. I think they're sneaky good. They're sneaky dangerous because of the coach. Uh, and a hall- oh, by the way, a Hall of Fame quarterback who will work itself out. Um, I, yeah, I think I think I think Peyton will put Russell Wilson because I have been down on Russell Wilson since 2019. I like I predicted the when he was going last year to Denver, I knew that that was going to end in a train wreck. Now he's got a better offensive coach that's going to ask him to do a lot more down the field than what he was asked to earlier. He's going to be put in a situation by a for the first time in his career, a genius offensive-minded head coach. And this is going to be a different Russell Wilson. It's not going to be the elite Russell Wilson, but it's going to be a Russell Wilson that's kind of like, I don't know, kind of like Ryan Tannehill or, you know, a quarter like Derek Carr. I mean, he's that Russell. He's not Russell Wilson hanging with Patrick Mahomes. He's hanging with the the B team now. All right. Well, so – 
so if we're talking about the worst teams, we're going to talk about the South. So we should probably move on to the South here because I think Jacksonville is the thing that's going to divide everybody on this. And I'm taking notes, by the way. Jason, I have you down. Elvin, I have you down. Is it Avenzies? I don't know how to say that. I apologize, but I have you down. I have Kenneth down. I don't know where you stand, Stoney, but I've got your name down on here too. Zach, you're on the list. I was absolutely 1 million percent right about Trevor Lawrence last year. And it's not because of some Clemson football stuff. It is that I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be like a ninth or 10th best quarterback in the NFL for the foreseeable future. His numbers indicated that he was as such last year. What I, what I, some of the season indicated the reason I believe in Trevor Lawrence is not because of like one game against Alabama in college. It is that every step of his career, and this is the same analysis I had with Peter Skaronsky when the Titans drafted him. That every single step of his career, he has been great. And the only time he was not great was when a giant douchebag was his head coach in Jacksonville. And he ruined every football player on the team because Urban Meyer's a piece of shit. I just, just don't think he was great up. last year. I think he was very good. I would not say great or For elite. A- Sure. I don't think he's elite either, by the way. I think he's going to be, again, I would reserve elite for like the top three quarterbacks, right? Maybe five at best. I think he's the ne- he's the top of the next tier. Eventually, we'll see. His touchdown percentage doubled last year. His interception percentage was cut in half last year. This is a guy who they won seven out of seven out of six out of seven and against not like some solid teams. They beat Baltimore. They beat Detroit. They beat Tennessee, Dallas, the Jets. Yes, they beat Houston. Um, I, I just think, and he was very good in those games to get him there. I think he has a lot of learning to do. I still think he was a, to me, he was a rookie last year to some degree. And I think when you look at his play, what he's going to level out, he's going to level out the first half of the chargers game. Like that's the stuff he's going to level out. He comes out a little too hot, throws the ball. Like he's trying to throw it through a brick wall sometimes very Joe Milton ish. And, and eventually calms down and then operates inside the confines of the offense. They've added Calvin Ridley. They've added Tank Bigsby. They, they have so many weapons to do so much with. I just think Jacksonville's offense is going to be really good. It doesn't mean they're a runaway favorite to win the division, but I absolutely have Jacksonville as first place in the division and in the top half of the conference, which is not – I'd have the Titans in the Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Denver area, not in the Chargers, Ravens area. And it's almost exclusively because of the quarterback and Trevor Lawrence. So that's just my take. And Jason, I got you written down. I got all your names here. Okay. All you guys who don't like Trevor Lawrence. It's fine. Uh, I'm, I'm very much, I, I don't like Trevor Lawrence, but I'm also very much a wait and see kind of guy. You know, I, I have not seen enough from Trevor Lawrence. And we'll talk about more about Trevor Lawrence later. And it, cause we'll do a whole episode about the Jaguar. But I personally <laughs> right, right. haven't seen enough one way or the other, and this is dating back to his final year of college, I thought, which was pedestrian by his standards in in final year of college. And that has kind of lingered that he's just kind of, for me, he's just pedestrian right now. Like, he is, he is firmly among the 60% group. You know, 20%, he doesn't need the team. They can raise the team around him. 60%, you can win with if, as long as the team around him is good. And 20%, they can't do shit like they're they're awful and i think he's firmly in the 60 percent, which is fine i just don't get this idea that we have to rank him so high because really i mean he's probably what the seventh or eighth best quarterback in the afc 
Well, so let's take like where they are in their careers out of it because that changes. He would go way up if you're talking about trading a guy like for a guy, right? Like that's yeah. that's I don't want to do that. I want to say like for 2023, like just this season, who do you think is better? Uh, Patrick Mahomes is clearly better. Josh Allen is clearly better. Joe Burrow is clearly better. Um, I am higher on Rodgers than you are. I don't think Rodgers lost much of anything last year, so I would still take Aaron Rodgers over Trevor Lawrence. I would take Trevor Lawrence over Tua. That's like I don't know what I'm going to get out of Trevor over Tua. I don't. I, well, you I don't think know what Tua, you're going to get out of Trevor Lawrence either. I'd almost put them as the same guy. See, you take Lamar Jackson over over no. Trevor Lawrence. Nope. Oh well, then you are totally the injuries. You're, the you're injury, cuckoo, man. You're, you're cuckoo for cocoa puffs. <laughs> Justin Herbert, I would take over Trevor Lawrence. You're you're you're, you're an insane person. Deshaun Watson. You would take Deshaun Watson over. No, I'm, ask, I'm asking you, who would you take? Oh, I I would probably take Trevor Lawrence. Okay. Uh Cody Cody Pickett. <laughs> a, uh dumb question. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who cares? About Mac Jones. Kenny dumb Pickett. question. Yeah. Uh either of the two rookies in Indianapolis and Houston? No. Uh, maybe next year, maybe the year after, who knows, but not right now. Um, I would take Trevor Lawrence over Ryan Tannehill six times during the week and twice on Sundays. I think they're the same quarterback right now. Carr versus Trevor Lawrence. I think they're the same. I think I think like them three are like right now. Because what I'm what I'm thinking is that okay, Trevor Lawrence has the age on his side. He his ceiling is technically not been decided yet, but he hasn't proved what his ceiling can actually be on a consistent basis. We know where Ryan Tannehill, Derek Carr is at, so it's kind of like you got to kind of take them as the same level because they're all the same kind of quarterback. Of course, Derek Carr's I, in the NFC anyway, so. I, Oh, let's try it. Why was I asking about Derek Carr? Good God. Uh, I meant Jimmy Garoppolo is what I should have yeah. said. Oh, said. I mean, I'm taking Trevor Lawrence. My Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> right, my fault. Uh, so Stoney says this. Sobros Network says this. Lawrence is okay. Might hover around top five, but consistently hovering around top ten. That projection is based on talent, assuming he can catch up, catch up from the neck up. So I, this almost feels more like a semantics argument because you use the word pedestrian. He says okay and then says maybe top five or ten, which I yeah, would say I is way better I than okay. Maybe like top eight in the AFC, but I don't think he's top 10 or 15 in the NFL. Right. I just mean, if you're, top, if you're top five in the NFL, you're not okay. You're elite. And I don't, I don't think he's there. I, I think he's like number nine or 10 in the NFL. And again, probably number like five or six in the AFC. I think I more highly of him than you do, which is fine. I, I just pedestrian is not what he was though. Like if I, I guess I need to understand what, what you mean by pedestrian, because Pedestrian, by I think by definition, unless I'm wrong, is like below average. Well, I said pedestrian base. I said that he was pedestrian based on what his career was his college season, and that's carried over because he's he's supposed to be the the next great quarterback prospect. He was he was taken with the number one overall pick. I do not see number one overall pick from anything that Trevor Lawrence has done so far as his NFL career. Doesn't mean the story's written yet. The book's closed. But I would say you're you're he's not meeting expectations. I I think it is hard to evaluate, and this kind of speaks to your original point, which is that no one really knows, Mm -hmm. which is true of all these guys. No one knows about any of these guys. I would say the body of work for Trevor. Because and Kenneth says, what about the comeback versus the Chargers? Well, he was yeah, the where the Chargers did... completely blew it. Yes. Well, he also was the reason they were in the hole. So, like, you got to use both sides yeah. of the equation on, on that. I just see a player who threw for forty two hundred yards, who increased his t- his ratios, was far more efficient statistically, and 
you package all of that with the fact that it was Urban Meyer. Like, it's just, I don't think Doug Peterson's some genius, but I think that when you have a competent professional adult, even if he's just average, running an NFL offense, all of a sudden you can look a little bit more like the player you actually were for your entire career. I think the one rookie season with Urban Meyer and all the drama is a complete outlier. And if you look at last year's numbers, we're talking eight interceptions, 33 touchdowns, 4,200 yards. Those are the numbers you put on Tannehill. And that was his first real season in the NFL. So I think he is going to continue to get better. And if and he's got better weapons around him than everybody else does in, in a lot of these situations we're talking about well, here. Now, so I did not – you're – again, I put less numbers on Ryan Tannehill passing the football. But the, I also put the caveat yes, in, sta in stacking the inbox. I also put the caveat is that there are game situations and game scripts that matter in these stats. The Jaguars continually are having to be in shootout games because of other circumstances or they fall behind. So his stats are going to look better than Ryan Tannehill on, on certain sure. aspects when you look at volume stats. And, and let's, That's how it's always been for Jaguars teams anyway. They're yeah. always playing from behind. They're never decisively winning games. It, that is the thing. This, the AFC South, because we have now have eaten up a chunk of our content of the Jaguars <laughs> part of the podcast for another episode that we have planned out. We still got the whole other team, to, the whole rest of the team to talk about. Well, that's why we I'm just talking about the one guy. Back into the AFC South. <laughs> the AFC South is not as bad a division as what I think people think it is. Now, is it still the worst in the AFC? Yes. However... Is it as bad as what it was last year? No. I think this team is going to – I think their teams are going to be in more competitive and close games than what people realize in AFC South. And that's why I think that the Titans are basically going to go 3-3 three and three in the division and have to go 10-6 and six to win the division because the Jaguars aren't are going to play a much tougher schedule. That's what's going to have to happen for the Titans to win the division. And that is because the AFC South is more competitive. It's a lot closer than what it was in one year later. The four teams in AFC South are a lot closer to each other in terms yes. of competition. Yes. And it's a lot closer to the rest of the AFC in terms of competition. So I, I, I completely agree. And by the way, still taking all these notes for you, you guys. I love you guys. Very active in the comments today. Jason says his ceiling, Trevor Lawrence's Kirk Cousins. That's, that's silly to me. But depends on how highly you think of Kirk Cousins, I guess. All you guys... Uh, all valid points in the comments. I respect and love all of you. Peace and love. I, I saw somebody trying to leave a review, by the way, as well. We appreciate that. Enter the, the contest. Uh, we're all brought to you by Sinker's Beverages and Kingston Group. I agree because here's the, the odds to win the AFC, just to make it to the Super Bowl. Last place in the AFC, Houston plus 10,000. Second to last place in the AFC, Indianapolis plus 7,000. Third to last place in the AFC to win the conference, the Titans at plus 5,000 to suggest that the three worst teams in the conference are all going to come from this division seems unlikely. That that just seems well, unlikely. Especially when you got the, the the Raiders out there with this old Jimmy Garoppolo thing hanging over their head. And there's, a, there's a few. I don't. I'm with you on the Steelers. I don't know what to make of the Steelers. They could go one, one way or the other for me. Um, you know, the... You just don't know. Like the Patriots are probably going to be bad. I feel like they, they could, they could, they, they could take a somebody's going to take a tumble. We, yeah. we don't know who it's going to be. I, I think your main point, and I think the main point about the AFC is absolutely correct. 
it is far more competitive at this time this year than it was this time last year. From one to four, it is far more competitive. Yeah. Last it, year, it, we were talking like the Titans had an easy street, and right. they technically did have easy street to win the division. Injuries just and bad luck just right. caught up to them. But and they almost still won the division last year. And this year, I'm looking when I'm looking at the schedule, looking at the timing of certain games, looking at the new head coaches. You don't really know what to expect. Who's going to be starting at quarterback for the Colts? When is it going to happen? Um, you know, the Anthony Richardson thing, CJ Stroud, is he going to truly run away with it versus Davis Mills? All these things, right? And you think that. You know, the Texans beat the Chiefs last year. The NFL's kind of fluky <laughs> like that. You know, yes, the is. Texans and the Colts, you know, tied. And you look at the Tennessee Titans, and I'm like, you know, I feel like this is a year that they have to win more games as a whole to make it into the playoffs because I don't yeah. think you're going to make it into – I don't think the AFC South is going to field a second playoff team. So you have to win the division if you want to make it to the playoffs in AFC South. And I think the only way to do that is to beat up on everybody else and split in best case scenario, you're probably splitting with the rest of the AFC South teams. A couple of interesting, I, I agree with that. A um, couple of interesting comments here. Elvin says, who's the best coach in the AFC South coaching matters. I think it's pretty clearly Mike Vrabel. I don't think there's a question about that. Uh, and this is a terrifying thought for everyone. My prediction, this is from Elvin. My prediction is that Be this is Belichick's last season and they will want Vrabel to replace him. Of course they will. The question is, does he want to, uh, as is the case with Ohio state or anywhere else that comes. And does he really want to get, I, I mean, new England is not set up well for the next head coach. No. Uh, D good says quarterbacks. I'd rather have than Trevor Lawrence. It looks like Rogers. I don't know what Aylin is. I, I think uh, Jay, uh, Jay. Okay. I think Lamar he Jackson, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Justin no, Herbert, seventh in AFC, seventh in the AFC. And then a few names in the NFC, but uh, either yeah. way, we'll, we'll spend a lot of time on, on Trevor Lawrence a little bit more when we go into the Jags. I think this, here's my, here's my, I agree with what you were just saying. This is one, this is, it may not be a great division. It may be the worst division in the AFC. This is the most interesting division maybe in all of football. Like, because when you have three potential rookie quarterbacks and then a number one overall pick at the other side, two brand new coaches, one of which we think very highly of in D'Amico Ryans, you've got all these... Oh, uh, yeah, D-Good was saying Allen. There you go. Uh, all the guys that are... Like, the, the intrigue in this division, it may not be because of the Titans, but I think there's more national coverage of this division than we've ever had and the Titans, therefore, are going to get into more conversations because they're probably going to be better than the Colts and the Texans. I just think there's going to be a lot more spotlight on the division because of Anthony Richardson and C.J. Stroud and D'Amico Ryans and Trevor Lawrence and Will Levis. And, you know, like it I will just be. Think it just won't be on the Titans. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Unless, unless, unless there's they a switch. Win. Unless they yeah, either they win or they switch to Levis, in which case there's more interest in the team. Yeah, the so, the, the way that I mean, it's going to have to go terribly Either injuries going to have to force Ryan Tannehill to the bench, or it's going to have to be very clearly Ryan Tannehill is, is just yeah. does not have it. I don't think either of those things are are likely based on his history. I think maybe the injury is more likely than him just showing that he doesn't have it. But you know that that kind of takes us into something that I brought up is like, what does the future of the AFC South look like mm. specifically in twenty twenty six? Right, so. 2023, 2024, 2025, the first three years of the rookie quarterbacks that got drafted. And in that time frame, 
You also have Trevor Lawrence probably seeking and getting a fifth-year option or a new contract. So you're talking about Trevor Lawrence, and you're talking about year three of C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, and Will Levis, theoretically. Okay. So heading into 2026 is when decision time, right? So the first two quarterbacks, Anthony Richardson and C.J. Stroud, have they proven enough to have their fifth-year option picked up? Right. Will Levis, who does not have a fifth-year option, has he shown enough that you go ahead and start thinking about extending him? But it's interesting because all these four quarterbacks are like, even, even Trevor Lawrence, such unknown commodities. And unlike Trevor Lawrence, the rest of these guys have serious flaws that they have to improve upon quickly, except for Will yeah. Levis, who can wait a year. Right. What's funny is I think it's almost a guarantee that, that they pick up the fifth year option on Lawrence. So going into 26, they probably have the option and they're yeah. working on the contract. So let's I, I think what's here is this fair to say of the two Richardson and Stroud? Is it fair to say that one is clearly a star and one is they're debating whether or not to pick up the option? Is that sound fair? Like, yeah, statistically? I think so. I mean, like if you saw C.J. Stroud's uh, f- top five quarterback list that circled this this year, um, you would have to question the it really supports this idea that he may not be as bright as what we all think he is uh or like some people like to think he is um it will be interesting because i think it's hard to tell from the colts media conglomerate over there because <laughs> you know jim ursay apparently owns all of them from stephen yeah. holder all the way down to zach kiefer yeah. Yeah. Uh, he owns them all and um because you don't really know, is Anthony Richardson really doing well? Because everybody's like, oh, he's doing this, he's doing this. And then it turns out he's on the second team. He's practicing exclusively with the second team in this practice or, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So, like, what is what is he really? C.J. Stroud, you're going to have to see it in a game because I'm sure he's going to be yep. a practice savant. He's going to be that guy that is just – Awesome at practice because there's not a lot of pressure being faced to him. He's kind of got it easy. They're going easy on him. Because once you're in a game, that's where it comes on for C.J. Stroud, right? The concerns are NFL speed, so NFL processing, versus defenses that are going to be in his face. And they did him no favors. He has very little talent in the passing game. He has very little talent on the right side of the offensive line, starting with the center, which looks to be a rookie center, Juice Scruggs, which was drafted in like the third or the fourth round. Oh, That's not good for C.J. Stroud. I think, um, what did you say? Didn't you say the numbers, like the number of times the, the, the league drafts more than two extendable quarterbacks in a single round? Yeah, it just it, it just you're happen. lucky to get two out of out of right. So if both of them hit, then odds are Levis doesn't, or vice versa. If Levis well, now hits, it's then only odds first are... round quarterbacks. Okay, only first. All right, well then... What so I think the is odds would be Bryce Young did not hit. What that, yeah, there you go. That's that's true. What's interesting is another note, I think, to sort of set the stage of the South to this year going for now as we kind of head into the season looking forward. What what's one of the biggest weak like Jacksonville's one of their biggest weaknesses on defense is their secondary. One of the biggest weaknesses for the Colts is their secondary. The Titans were the worst passing defense in the NFL last year for different reasons, but different, you know, like there are there is space to throw the football in this division, is my yeah. is my point. And so that's going to help some of these rookie players. I, for some reason, I, be, See, maybe it's because I, I believe I in. I don't know if it's going to help the rookies because I think that these defensive lines for all these teams and edge rushers 
are going to get to them really quick. Like I, I really yeah, feel bad. It's almost like when Justin Fields got drafted. Cause when I said Justin Fields will be very dependent upon the situation that he lands in and he landed in a horrible situation with the bears. And I think that while D'Amico Ryans is a great head coach and I love Bobby Slowick as their offensive coordinator, yep. they're not there yet, but how much the, do, does them not being there yet affect C.J. Stroud's growth and career trajectory? Yes, I think it's a great question. The other thing I think they have in common on offense is that I, I, I think they have some like sneaky, decent collection of guys to get the ball to, but that all of them have offensive line questions. Like it, it, of the offensive questions, it's Houston's offensive line. I know the receiving core is not that great either, but they've got a couple of, you know, they have the tight end. They've got a, 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 a pair of running backs that are pretty solid. You got Jonathan Taylor and a couple of decent receivers for the Colts. I, I think there's some, some stuff I know there. Not showing up to his stuff either. And mm -hmm. then Al Pierce is injured apparently as well. But the offensive line is, are the question like Jacksonville's only questions on offense are the offensive line. Like, mm -hmm. Cam Robinson's, uh, you know, suspended. So I, I think it, the, the, I think the games are going to be fucking wild. <laughs> I, just, I just think we're going to have crazy games that we're not going to have any clue what it's going to look like. Like, do you remember when we went into the Chargers game last year and we were like, all right, one of the worst rushing defenses in the NFL. If they can get Derrick Henry on track and slow the game down, there's a chance that the defense can keep him in the game. And, you know, they're going to give up lots of short passes to, to Justin Herbert, but we're going to try to keep it a close game. And like, that's how it played out. Like that's how the game went. It was a kind of a, of a predictable game. I'm not sure you can like. There's no styles make fights in this division. It is just going to be a fucking free for all every Sunday. Yeah, it's going to be. It's definitely a clash of styles too. When you talk about you know the the makeup of the offenses versus what you have on defense, because I think that the Tennessee Titans defense is the best in the AFC South. Yes. And but that is because they could generate pressure with rushing four and confuse and and do all that stuff. But then Jim Schwartz is gone. So how much of that is really going to carry over? We just don't know. But we do know that there's Jeffrey Simmons. And if you're telling me that the Tennessee Titans are playing the Houston Texans and it's Jeffrey Simmons versus Juice Scruggs, I'm taking four <laughs> sacks. Whatever his sack total right, is, right, right, right. I'm taking the over. Like what? That's and how I feel about this defense. It doesn't matter in that particular game about that because then you look across the way and they got their best receiver is Robert Woods and maybe Nico Collins. Like we don't really know what Nico Collins really it, is. It's it's much like the Titans. Damian Pierce might be right. their best receiver. Like or yeah. Uh, what's interesting is also the the coaches. You've got two offensive like nerds, and then you've got like these two defensive culture rah 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 leaders that are teachers. Like uh, so, even the coaching dynamic is extremely different. I, I think I think they're I I think it's the worst division in the AFC, I, but I think the entertainment value, the unpredictability, the spotlight, the focus, the rookie quarterbacks. I think there's a lot of fun to be had in the division. It might also lead to lots of Titans fans ripping their hair out from time to time, or it could lead to this, a division. This is going to be a very frustrating year, and yeah. I just want to go prep it because. I was going through the schedule. I did all 18 games. I broke down all 18 games in detailed fashion over a period of four or five articles for, for stackinginbox.com. It There is never a time where the Titans go on a big, long win streak. <laughs> it is... Maybe the I last think, month. Maybe they win like four straight. I, at think, the I, end I think I went uh, two and two or three. or Yeah, I think I went two and two at the beginning of the year for the first four games. And then like... 
the next set of games, I at some point I was at seven and six, and then at the end you're like you're at ten and six, but it doesn't really those last four games are kind of scheduled a little bit differently. So like the most that they win in a row is like two or three games. It's going to be a tight year all the way until those last four games. Like it's going to be butt clinching games for the, for the most part. (laughs) Pucker, 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 pucker. Uh, Yeah. I've got them at two and four going into the bye. Um, I think I I had maybe three and four. I think you had three and three coming out of the London game going into the bye. I would have them at two and four, which is saints, chargers, Browns, Bengals, Colts, Ravens. And then from there, it's a bye week, it's rest, it's growth, it's young players getting more comfortable, ideally not hitting a rookie wall, getting that extra bye week before Atlanta uh, and, and the short week against Pittsburgh, and then ideally playing a bunch of rookie quarterbacks in the final six weeks of the season. You got Carolina, the Colts, the Texans twice. That's four rookie quarterbacks. Tua, who knows if Tua's even on the field at that point in December. Right. There's no way to know what, what he is. Um, so, I, you know, Seattle, what is Geno Smith scary? Like not at home? Not really. I think I think people expecting Geno Smith to duplicate what he did last year is is no. going to be tough. He did almost as much in one season as the first eight years of his career combined. The statistical prob- probability that he replicates that is almost nothing, which is which is which is why he got a deal that he'd got, which is like one year. Right. Basically, uh, they can cut him like after one year. Uh, okay, uh, D. Good, eighteen games. He meant eighteen weeks. He knows what he was talking about. Okay, sometimes we you don't know what I was talking we about. We say a lot of words on the show. Sometimes it it, it they don't come out exactly correctly. Uh, otherwise, uh, I think that just about does it for us. I don't know what we accomplished in terms of uh, <laughs> the Trevor Lawrence debate, but uh, I think there's a a pretty clear hierarchy in the AFC, and the Titans have a lot of upward mobility. In, according to the Vegas odds, again, third worst team in the AFC, according to Vegas odds, there's a there's five or six teams they can move ahead of pretty quickly if things go right for them. Um, that doesn't mean they're making the playoffs, but frustrating, interesting, entertaining, unpredictable. These are all things I would use to describe uh, what the AFC South will look like in 2023. Okay, uh, Sinkers Beverages, Kingston Group, Stacking the Inbox, uh, F-Words Pod. Uh, you want to give everybody a little preview what you guys got coming up this week on the show and on and in the uh, I have no clue what we are in the we, inbox. It's not Wednesday. We haven't planned yet. Okay, what about the inbox? Got any plans Oh, for that? well, stacking the inbox, we got uh, today's Ryan Tannehill. Tomorrow will be Derrick Henry doing a little bit of offensive uh, predictions, and I'm, sh- I'm assuming Colton Dow by Stoney on Friday for Film Friday. Nice. Got to love Colton Dell. Uh, other than that, uh, hopefully we'll have a lot of mini camp reaction. Hopefully there's interesting stuff that happens this week at practice. Uh, and we'll discuss that on Thursday and we'll announce one more big winner. So again, make sure you rate the show, write a review, leave your name, go to sinkers beverages, sign up for the in crowd. And we'll give away one more spot on that bus trip up to the bourbon trail to hand pick hand select a Russell's deserved bail barrel pick for sinkers beverages, bluegrass, of course, in Hendersonville as well. Thank you guys all for listening. Thanks for hanging out. For Zach, I am Braden. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Take it easy.